You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, and I am joined. He's live in Houston. He was at the game tonight. The founder of Ruhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. As the Bucks get their season off to a winning start, they come from behind. It was looking a little sketchy for a long part of this game tonight, <laughs> but they win 117 to 111. And before we get into that, today's podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com because, Frank, it's always important to take care of the area surrounding the Wallabies. (laughs) Oh, man. I am here for any (laughs) random uh, Australianisms that you want to drop me. And and let's be honest, I know that that isn't a real... That probably is not something you would ever say in day-to-day speech, would it? You probably have like more exotic, random, weird things you can say uh, to refer to uh, your business down there. Do you, or do you actually say wallabies? Or are you just saying that no. because it's a funny thing for America? It's like a, it's like an Americanized Australianism. I feel like, right? Yeah. Well, actually, I wish that I remembered who the Twitter user was, and maybe they're listening and they they will remind me. But we were in Chicago last year. Uh, when the uh, Bucks were playing the Bulls, and George Hill took a shot below the belt. <laughs> it was not good, look, not looking good for him for a while there. He was on the ground for a long time. And someone tweeted at me and said, damn, looks like he took a shot in the Wallabies. And ever since, I've sort of, I've sort of run with it because I kind of like it. And I, I mentioned to uh, George Hill after the game, uh, I, I, I just had to, I had to, you know, that's the type of thing that I always get myself caught into doing. I'm like, all right, I'm going to mention George Hill getting hit in the Wallabies. So he was trying to sneak out. He doesn't really like doing that much media. So he was, he was, re- and he didn't play particularly well that night. So he was trying to sneak away. And I was like, George, George, I just need to talk to you for a while. And he goes, well, why would you want to talk to me? I did, I did, I did jack shit tonight. And I was like, yeah. I'm like, well, I got to ask you about the Wallabies. And he looked at me for a while. And then he gave me sort of a weird look and he's like, are you talking to? Are you talking about my gonads right now? <laughs> I, was, I was like, yes. I'm like, yes, I am. And then he confirmed that everything was where it should be, and everything was in place, and and we moved on. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm. First off, I would not have pictured George Hill to be a guy who uses the term gonads. So that's that's <laughs> kind of an interesting, interesting data point on uh, on George Hill. Um, but uh, yeah, glad to hear his his. They were wallabies and not won't it bees or whatever i don't know what what uh what what the the, the worst worst end of that would be but um uh, yeah i don't i, I mean w- this was a, a strange game we were i mean we were joking kind of before the pod that uh you know fun game well wasn't wasn't that fun for most of the game, game if you're a bucks fan i uh 
you know, you said I, I'm, I'm currently live in Houston, but I was feeling pretty dead inside in the first, uh, you know, five, six minutes of that game. Giannis picks up a second foul, goes to the bench scoreless, bucks down double digits early, and just kind of, you know, I mean, if, let's just say this. If you had not, uh, if you did not watch basketball last year, and you were just tuning into your first NBA game in, in a couple of years, you probably would have said, man, Bucks still suck, huh? <laughs> like pretty, pretty uninspiring yeah. uh, first, first quarter in particular. But um, I don't know. It's just kind of one of those things like it's, it's always hard. Right. And especially, you know, early in the season, we're always going to like be like, Oh, is it like still preseason? You know, are they still kind of uh, getting their, their legs under them? And obviously there is, there is some of that I'm sure, but um, I don't know. It's like hard with a sport like basketball, right? Cause it's like requires so much discipline and precision to like, you know, run an offense, play defense. Um, but then obviously, I mean, these are incredible athletes and, you know, you have to play with athleticism explosion, especially if you're a guy like Giannis, how do you kind of balance patience and discipline and, you know, kind of trying to be where you're supposed to be with just trying to go take dudes heads off at times. Right. Right. And felt like in the early going there, Bucks were kind of, I don't know, didn't, let's just say that didn't seem like they were really playing with any, any force. Uh, there felt like it was kind of running their thing and they were getting some, some pretty solid shots, right. They just couldn't hit anything and um, just some kind of some sloppy turnovers. And uh, I mean, not rockets didn't necessarily set the world on fire either, but um, you know, certainly we're, we're better than the bucks. And um, you know, I, I, it's always interesting, right? Because the, the James Harden defense uh, it, every time I see it, I think I don't know how this is going to really work as far as overall defensive efficiency. It just seems like somebody's got to be open. And obviously there were a lot of say open corner threes. We saw a lot of lobs tonight that we maybe we didn't see in some of the two, the two games last year. Um, but at the end of the day, I look at the numbers. I mean, the Rockets, uh, 101.1 offensive rating, you know, you, you'll take that defensive effort against the Houston Rockets any day of the week. And the Bucks, not great offensively, 107 uh, offensive rating. But, um, you know, guys kind of came around and made shots when they needed to, and especially in that fourth quarter and second half after, obviously, a very uh, underwhelming first half. Yeah, it's, it is a, it's a strange sort of game to try and analyze because I think that really the takeaway or the or the story of the game is Giannis but the start and the finish of the game is without Giannis so you know I mean clearly they the Bucks had a bunch of players that stood up late and 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 hit some shots but I mean Giannis in this one I I know I I tweeted about it there at one point because you're always talking about the hook shot we've spoke a lot about the three-point shot I mean he really I mean, he pulled out the full repertoire tonight offensively. Uh, he was really scoring every single way just about you could you can think of. Getting to the free throw line as well, he had 11 free throw attempts, but he finishes with 30 points, 13 rebounds, 11 assists, a steal and a block as well, and only 28 minutes because he did foul out with, with 518 remaining and the Bucks were leading at that point, 101 to 95. They'd really just got momentum. Brook Lopez hits a three. And the, the Rockets call timeout, and you're thinking, okay, the Bucks. Uh, I, I don't really see that the uh, how they're going to lose here. They look like they're going to run away with it. And then ten seconds later, Giannis fouls out, and you think, okay, this is going to be really tough to hang on now. Particularly when the first two possessions offensively out of that, clearly the Bucks were looking at, at saying, okay, Chris, this is this is your time. You you have to take over now. He misses a three, and then missed a, a mid range shot as well. And they weren't bad shots, but. At that point, Chris Middleton's having a rough night. He misses two shots, and you and you're like, okay, now now the Bucks are in a little bit of trouble. 
Yeah, so I, I went to the game tonight with my uh, brother-in-law, Matt. Uh, shout out to Matt uh, for the tickets. And um, when literally right after they were coming out of that timeout, the 101-95 timeout, and I, I said to Matt, I said, you know, they're up six, yes, with whatever was five or six minutes left. But I just said, you got to, you know, thing to keep an eye on here is Giannis has five fouls. If he fouls out, you know, probably curtains for the Bucks, right? I mean, I, I did not have much confidence that they could weather the storm without Giannis um, just because I, I just didn't know that I didn't really trust them to score, right? I mean, you mentioned Chris. Chris had a bad night, four out of 16 shooting from the field, did hit three out of nine from three. So one out of seven inside uh, the three-point line tonight, no free throws, did have eight rebounds and three assists, a steal and a block. Um, but clearly 11 points on 16 shots. That is not the Middleton that, you know, you're paying $178 million for. <laughs> Um, so the fact that, you know, you get Giannis filing out on, you know, a really kind of marginal call, which again, I can understand the ref because of the way Capella sort of moved and kind of went off balance, um, on the, 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 the play around the basket. I can understand why the ref just sort of assumes that there was kind of an undercut or, or something right there, but obviously, you know, I, I was at the arena. I, I think they did show a replay. It was kind of hard to see much contact, um, on the replay that I saw, and, you know, again, I would say Giannis did not get much, did not get good value for his fouls tonight. Let, let's say that there were definitely, you know, a couple of just stupid fouls, a couple of very kind of marginal um, chintzy fouls that I just, I'm kind of, you know, again, surprise kind of went, went against him. And, um, you know, unfortunately the first quarter, he, he probably did get a charge against PJ Tucker <laughs> and the refs give him a block and you think, Oh, dodged a bullet, going to get some free throws. And then we see the first uh, regular season challenge in, in that I've ever seen in a, in a, in a, an NBA game in the regular season. And it sure enough reverses it, gets Giannis a charge and sends him to, to the bench early. So um, an interesting game from an officiating standpoint, definitely um, some, frustrating stuff both ways although we did see a number of uh foul calls on Harden especially were there two or three offensive fouls on Harden something like that so they at least um they at least got got him for some of that stuff but it seemed like whenever he was driving he was uh, he was getting calls and and certainly when you look at his line I mean two out of 13 shooting from the field for James Harden crazy that they were once again able to just take him completely out of his comfort zone driving to his right only one out of eight from three. He was obviously, I think, just again, just not comfortable um, trying to make shots there. And and but did hit 14 out of 14 from the line. Did get 14 assists. So you know, Harden's still contributing, but overall, obviously, just not the the Harden that you're used to getting. And meanwhile, on the other end, Giannis, obviously, uh, as you said, the bookend quarters were were you know, or the you know, the last six minutes, the first six minutes were nothing to write home about <laughs> for sure. Um, but he was just kind of tremendous, especially in that third third quarter and, and beginning of the fourth quarter really just asserted himself and just sort of dragged the Bucks back into that game after, you know, every time they got it down to like six or seven points, just seemed like the Rockets had a run in them and, you know, the Bucks couldn't, couldn't kind of just really get into it. And, um, you know, he was really the engine of, of that Bucks comeback gives them that lead. And uh, yeah, I was definitely very nervous when it was 101.95 because those first couple of possessions were rough. But um, I mean, I think the most interesting thing that happened, Fortunately, Middleton comes off on a nice ATO to get um, an open look from the top, hits that three. I think that made it 104-100, which was obviously kind of a big kind of kind of quell the bleeding type type play. Um, but, I, I mean, Brooke Lopez, I think he was scoreless going into the fourth, right? I think he had five blocks, but scoreless, uh, hadn't made a shot. And then 
for him to, you know, hit that big three to make it one one ninety five, And then he becomes the go-to guy without Giannis in there. You don't worry about, you know, Brooke needing to space the floor as much. They just kept feeding the ball in the post and uh, he made some really big plays drew some fouls. And, and ultimately, you know, Hey, the, Rockets get away with playing small most every night. Uh, PJ Tucker plays, you know, is about as as strong as six six guys you're going to find. But Brooke was really tremendous, and just being able to throw the ball down to him, um, that was something. Obviously, we wondered, you know, a, a lot last season. When are we going to maybe see more of that? And we never really saw it last year. But um, game one of this season, it it came up really big. Yeah, it was interesting when uh, you know Giannis goes out and and. Look, I sort of already said that they did try and go to Milton. And then as you pointed out, it felt like Brooke Lopez sort of took over that role. But, you know, considering the Bucks felt like, I mean, this game felt like it went for three days and the Bucks were down by between 10 to 13 points for the entire three days. I mean, they just yeah. like every time they a, come back in. It was a cricket test match, right? Is that, is that <laughs> yeah, the three-day thing? Right. Exactly. It just, I mean, it, the Bucks just could not make any headway. And it felt like, and one of the, actually one of the things I pointed out with, with uh, Matt in, on yesterday's podcast was that PJ Tucker, when we were talking about the the three point threats for the Rockets, PJ Tucker was a guy that you know not exactly a knockdown three point shooter, but I did say that from the corners he's a willing shooter and he can actually get pretty hot from there. We saw that tonight. I think he had four corner threes on the night. But yeah, late in this one, I think it, the best thing for the Bucks is that. All the guys that you wanted to see contribute, even if they didn't have great nights, they got something done down the stretch. Middleton hit that three from the top that uh, you pointed out. Obviously, Lopez, you spoke about. First night, Ilya Sova. <laughs> Just, I mean, he, he did. Curry Sova. I, I mean, Curry Sova, Goat Sova. <laughs> I don't care. You can call him whatever you want. I mean, 13 points, 11 rebounds. One for two from three. So just as we keep an eye on that 60% or 62% over and under, currently at <laughs> Two 50. charges. Took two <laughs> charges, I think, right? Yeah, two charges as well. Uh, he really did everything and a couple of big jump shots in that, in that late stretch. So, uh, you know, just, just big, big, uh, you know, moments from these guys stepping up. And Wes Matthews has not shot the three well at all in the preseason, was shooting the, uh, the three terribly tonight. And then he steps up and, and hits that three, which I just found, and I tweeted about it when I sort of said, oh, big shot Brog. And I was like, oh, Wes Matthews, because that's what Brent Malcolm Brogdon did. He would find himself in, in, a, in a spot to hit an open three late in the game when the Bucks really need it, particularly on the road. You know, when you think back to the, some of the shots he's had in Toronto and also Boston, and then one game in, West Matthews doesn't particularly play or, or doesn't shoot the ball well. He did some nice things uh, elsewhere, but he comes up with the big three uh, when the Bucks really needed it. Yeah, I, looking at his stat line now, 14 points on 12 shots, you know, two out of eight from three. Obviously, that's nothing to write home about, but um, a couple steals, a block, um, no fouls, and one turnover. I, I think his first turnover I think he had a turnover in the first quarter like on a bad pass which just stuck out in my brain because it felt like the Bucks just were kind of out of sorts yeah. in that that first quarter but it's it's funny to look at the the numbers now because the Bucks only had 11 turnovers all game um, which is very good right in uh, in a game that was played at a, a pretty blistering pace a 110 uh, pace overall uh, and Matthews you always worry about him trying to do too much I think we saw that at times early in the game um, but he settled down kind of as it went on. And certainly in that first half, you know, shout out to Pat Connaughton. I mean, Connaughton and Giannis really kind of kept them alive and in the game in that second quarter. And again, they ultimately go down then bad end of the second quarter. They're down 16 at halftime, but 
Giannis had a good run sort of end of the first quarter, got on the board, uh, and then kind of started the second quarter. Uh, you know, he was at 10 points pretty quick after being scoreless for, you know, the, that initial period when he got uh, the foul trouble. Connaughton comes and scores 10 points at a couple threes, a couple of nice cuts, a couple of dunks. Uh, those guys kind of did a nice job. And, you know, I think everybody's thinking like, all right, you know, we had our over-under about uh, Wes Matthews' number of starts this year. And it was like, okay, yeah, that 48 number over I took is, you know, I'm starting to wonder, like, eh, I hope I hope Bud doesn't doesn't give him too long of a leash because he did not look like the the best wing the Bucks could throw out there uh, for, for certainly that first quarter or, sorry, first half. But, um, you know, I think he kind of settled down as the game went on. You mentioned that big three uh, late in the fourth that he hit off a, a really nice ball swing. Um, I forget who – I forget. Somebody made a backdoor pass to George Hill and then Hill. I thought you thought maybe Hill was going to have a layup, but the help came quick. He kicks it out to, uh, to, uh, to Wes and he he hits that big three. Wes also had a a drive and a finish when the bucks before they foul out that kind of helped, uh, help them get that, that lead that they established that kind of came out of nowhere. And I think kind of shell shocked the Rockets crowd, given that they were still up, I think, uh, eight or nine going into the fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a definitely, uh, uh, you know, a relief to see Matthew sort of settle down. And, uh, you know, I mean, again, I'm curious how much Wes has in the tank defensively over the course of this season. Um, it's really important that they have another guy who I think can be that like kind of physical guard slash small forward, like little, a little versatility uh, from, from a smaller player defensively. And, you know, I mean, we should probably talk about the fact that, interestingly, Dante DiVincenzo doesn't play at all tonight, right? Which was probably the most surprising thing rotation-wise for me. Um, but, you know, you look at it, kind of makes sense. I mean, Harden and Westbrook, two really physical guards. Um, there wasn't necessarily an easy matchup maybe against Austin Rivers, uh, for instance, that you could have certainly got Dante out there. But um, I thought Wes, you know, he, he was playing the, the Bucks harden defense as well. I thought he did a really solid job against, obviously, um, some really talented uh, opposing guards tonight. And, you know, him and, and George Hill, I thought, stepped up really well. Hill had 8.7 uh, seven assists. Hill had a couple of threes in that first half, kind of when it seemed like nobody could hit a three, <laughs> sort of keep the, the Bucks alive. And, um, you know, Bledsoe, uh, a couple, just some dumb fouls. Um, you know, he, he ended up scoring 11 points in how many minutes did he play? 16 minutes. Um, but, uh, definitely this was, you know, not a good effort from, from Bledsoe. The fact that, you know, Middleton and Bledsoe both have really poor nights and you get enough from, you know, the likes of, of Wes and Hill, both offensively and defensively to kind of, you know, uh, you know, kind of apply that tourniquet, um, you know, that, that bodes really well. I mean, I think there are definite questions about whether the Bucks depth, we, we know the Bucks have a lot of guys who can play, I think there's questions about are they really good enough from a depth perspective, right? Like, is it, is it like enough? Do they have enough firepower? Um, but tonight, obviously going against a team that has tons of firepower, I think they showed that they, you know, had good depth defensively and, uh, and obviously they had enough guys to make, be able to make enough shots uh, in, in that fourth quarter, even with, even with Giannis out.
I do think with the with the depth that you you touch on, I think what we saw tonight sort of plays into that because I would agree. I mean, we we've spent so much time talking about the rotation and pretty much came to what we thought was a pretty safe decision that Dante was going to play and Sterling might be on the outside. Sterling comes in for first quarter minutes and doesn't play a lot in the end as as but sort of did tighten it up uh, down you know the last three quarters there, but. Uh, I think that the big thing that gives me some confidence is that while, you know, the guys, if they, if you were looking at someone like Sterling Brown or someone like Pat Connaughton and and you wanted him to play every single night for 20 minutes, then yeah, I could see that there would be some concerns. The confidence that I, I do have is that there's so many guys that are actually NBA players that he will be able to mix and match and, and you know, hopefully not every single one of those those bench players is off you know, regularly on the same night because that's when you'll find yourself in trouble. But George Hill tonight, plus 16. And I know that there was stretches last year where every time the Bucks played a big game, and I'd, I'd love to look, I'm going to look up these numbers after, after we finish recording here because I, I just really noticed the plus 16. And he just makes like, good plays and good things happen when George Hill is on the floor. And I've spoke a lot, you know, through the off season that I'm a little bit concerned at how many minutes they want him to play through the regular season, and certainly 30 plus uh, over the course of the season would not be ideal for this reason. That I think you want this guy fresh when the big games come and the big moments come because he's a guy that Bud trusts and he's really proven it with with the Bucks. He was excellent in the, in the playoffs last season, great again tonight, and the Bucks just generally seem to uh, play well in lineups that he's on the floor, but. I think the Harden stuff is interesting because uh, I want to sort of see how you feel about this because uh, you, you touched on the two for 13 tonight. Harden now 24 for 69 from the field, 34% in the three games that the, uh, the Bucks have played the Rockets since Bud took over. So, uh, you know, you can question the, the defensive scheme or the defensive strategy all you like, but the results tell you that uh, the Bucks are, are doing a really good job of, forcing Harden into shots that he doesn't want to take and also frustrating him because Harden, there's no question for mine that Harden was frustrated tonight. And I think the good thing about tonight is when you look at Eric Bledsoe and say, well, he only played 16 minutes, it's a system thing. It's not necessarily tied to one player in Eric Bledsoe. There was times where Wes Matthews was on James Harden there for a while. I know George Hill obviously played a, a big role. So the one thing I would say is that tonight we saw far more corner three attempts than we've seen in, in, the, uh, you know, in previous Houston games. And that was a concern. But you know, for mine, if you're forcing other guys to shoot and James Harden is not the one scoring 40-plus points in the game, you give yourself a, a better chance to win than if he's getting off the chain. So for mine, even tonight, even though they got a lot of threes, I think you still have to say it's a success when you look at his line. Yeah, I mean... Uh... I think the the story of the game. I mean, this this is the Bucks kind of in in a nutshell, right? Like they take away your easy baskets from you, and the Rockets finish the game forty forty percent on two point shots, right? And that's Brook Lopez, that's Giannis, that is that Bucks defense. Which yes, the, they're gonna they are going to choose to probably allow more threes than they would like to, but um, again, it's it's because they are taking away those easy shots. And I think tonight it's, it's more extreme. As you mentioned, um, they gave up more corner threes than you'd normally expect. I'm, I'm looking at a shot chart. It looks like the Rockets were uh, four out of six from the right corner and two out of five from the left corner, I think. Um, 
So, you know, again, that's that's more than than certainly Bud's going to want six out of eleven. Um, you know, Tucker's interesting because he I don't think he shoots actually a very high percentage on corner threes, but he takes tons of them, as you were kind of alluding to. Uh, and tonight, obviously, he got some really wide open looks. And, and I think that's the issue, right, is um, if you are playing the type of defense that the Bucks are playing, I mean, you're, you're giving him a free run. You're, you're, you know, the point guard has to do some work for sure. And, and again, it's not like the point guard is just letting Harden go by every time. Like, I mean, they're, they are having to play some defense on the perimeter against him. But, uh, but when, when you just sort of think about what the chain reaction is of forcing Harden into the paint, it's putting a ton of pressure on that back line. Brooke Lopez, the obvious guy who has to do a lot of work to, you know, kind of oftentimes play two guys at once you know he has to hedge against Harden he has to make sure that he's not just completely leaving Capella typically wide open to to just get rim runs and dunks and there were a number of alley-oops for the likes of Capella and Tyson Chandler certainly I'd say more than we're used to seeing in the previous two games between these two teams last year Um, but you know ultimately you think about just the trade-offs involved you didn't give Harden pretty much any layups um, he finishes those two out of 13, one out of eight from three, one out of five on twos. And uh, that was a you know consistent thing for, for everybody. I mean, it, it pretty much meant the Rockets had to kind of live and die by, by their jump shooting. And, um, you know, true to form, zero mid-range points from the Rockets tonight. Bucks usually are not a, a mid-range team. They, were, they had 14 mid-range points. That is a very high number for them. So they're plus 14 from mid-range. Uh, both teams pretty much end up in the same spot three-point shooting-wise. 16 out of 46 for the Bucks, 16 out of 48 from Houston. They both sort of regressed into maybe a little bit below average from, for them in a shooting perspective. But um, certainly the Bucks making some mid-range shots um, helped to uh, you know compensate for the fact that, uh, man, the free-throw line was – a bad, bad place for the Bucks. I mean, that this is the other piece that the Bucks usually do is they usually take away the easy free throws as well. Did not happen tonight. 29 out of 39 for the Rockets. And that was made only worse by the fact that the Bucks hit nine out of 18, which was ugly. I was, uh, you know, nearly crawled under my my seat during some of Giannis's early free throw shooting. He started one out of five, finished six out of 11. So he kind of came around as the game went on. But, um, but yes, in some ways this was, a very typical Bucks game in other ways, such as that free throw shooting, a very uh, atypical Bucks game. But um, again, you know, the defenses that they play against Harden, it's weird. It's not conventional. Um, but ultimately, if the Rockets score as poorly as they do tonight, uh, every time you play, you are going to call that defense, you know, a winner. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, at some point you play the Rockets enough, they're going to have a big enough three-point shooting night. You're going to lose. Um, but obviously not today. I think that's, yeah, I think that's really it because it's, it's so hard. I, you know, even when I was looking at the, the stats for Harden against the Bucks last year, I mean, he still averaged over 30 points per game, even though he was shooting 24 for 56 in those games. I mean, the guy just accumulates points and you spoke about the free throws. I honestly, I, I'm not sure if in, this is in free throw makes, I'm not sure if being minus 20 in free throw makes, uh, on the road is is generally a recipe for 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 a win, but somehow they did it. Uh, and yeah, you you spoke about Giannis's uh, the early struggles for Giannis. He, he finishes six for eleven from the free throw line, but Robin Lopez was zero for three. Uh, they yeah they just they they missed a bunch tonight. And and really eighteen is a in general a pretty low number uh, for a game that it felt like 
there was a lot of whistles. So, mm. um, and I mean, I guess there was, if you look at the Rockets, they're at the line 39 times. But one other thing I have to touch on, and it's uh, late in this game because it really played a big factor uh, for, for the Bucks being able to hang on and pull away as much as the Bucks were hitting shots. We got our first little look at the Westbrook Harden late game shot selection. And I really thought through the game, Russell Westbrook was doing a pretty good job of, of moving the ball, not taking bad shots, as you, you already touched on the mid-range. Uh, he wasn't pulling up for those, those shots that we've seen in the past. And then down the stretch, he takes two threes in a row that if you're the Bucks, you had to be thrilled that Russell Westbrook is, is, is shooting threes at that point in the game. Yeah, I mean, he, he, I mean, ultimately, I mean, he finished three out of seven from three, which obviously if you're the Rockets, you'd, you'd happily take three out of seven from three from Westbrook, right? Um, but it was funny. It seemed like the Bucks were kind of trying to goad him into taking mid-range shots early in the game, and he was desperately trying, um, desperately trying to uh, 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 do, do whatever he could to, uh, to not take those shots and try to be a playmaker. Um, but you know, kind of Russ eventually becomes Russ, uh, and we saw some, some definitely some, some not so great mid-range shots. Obviously, the Rockets finishing with zero mid-range points tells you <laughs> that Russ also did not finish with any mid-range points and um, had some really athletic finishes. I mean, the I, I tweeted out a picture of the uh, the lower bowl uh, at tip-off, and uh, you know, it was uh, let's just say a late arriving uh, crowd in Houston tonight. Um, they got loud at times and, and really the only times they got really loud, it seemed like was when Russ was doing Russ stuff. And so he gave them, I think a nice shot in the arm at times when, you know, the Bucks kind of, I think had them in a little shell shock coming back and taking the lead in the fourth quarter. And Russ made some big plays, um, had one or two dunks, you know, had some kind of, again, just some Russ type plays, but, uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, obviously it's hard because a team like the Bucks, they're going to generally in the half court make it really hard to do those kinds of athletic plays at the rim. They're going to take that away, turn you into a jump shooting team. Normally the Rockets are okay with that, but obviously Russ is, is not a guy who, who shines typically in that, in that way. And, um, you know, I think we talked about, if, if we were going to talk about kind of low lights for the Bucks, certainly the free throws were, were a definite low light. Um, the other one, the fast break points, 27 points in on, on the break allowed by the Bucks tonight versus 17 scored. Um, I think the rap the Rockets had some insanely like low number last year. I think they had I don't think they cracked double digits combined in the two games in terms of fast break points. So to get 27 tonight, I think spoke to maybe the Bucks being a bit out of sorts, not uh, getting back the way they should, uh, and that way we're used to seeing them. Um, and certainly Westbrook was at his best when he was out in transition, kind of making the Bucks look very slow footed <laughs> and putting Ursan uh, on an Island on a couple of occasions when, when Ursan was, was kind of exposed against Russ. Um, so anyway, it was uh, definitely a game that was in some ways, very much typical bucks, other ways, very atypical bucks. Um, but uh, you know, I think certainly I'll say this. I'm, I'm obviously, I think everybody's fascinated to see how the Harden Russ dynamic kind of works out over, over a full season. Um, probably better to, to play them early in the season before they're while well, they're still trying to sort of figure some things out. Cause uh, I think everybody's going to be curious to see how kind of the usage and, and especially those late game possessions go. Cause obviously that's where you really like to see Harden get the ball given his shooting ability and the way defenses sort of tend to crank up. You know, I think Russ's style is just harder to, to make work in the half court late in games. Um, and tonight there were definitely some, some of those examples late in the, in the game where, um, 
you know, yeah, I think as a Bucks fan, you were probably pretty, pretty happy to let Russ kind of try to make a play when, when the ball is in, in a half court setting. I do think, and, and this is just, you know, following on from that, this is something we've spoke about a little bit that while we look at the, the Bucks schedule and, you know, in terms of some of the matchups they have, uh, they got some, some, some really tough games in the first month. And as I'm speaking now, I'm, I've got the, the Clippers game on and they're just destroying the Warriors. And I know they have a Clippers game coming up soon, even, even though Paul George isn't expected to play. But I think we saw as the game wore on, t- clearly the, the first quarter, they, as you mentioned, they were out of sorts. They, they struggled to find any rhythm. And I think in general, look, once Giannis fouls out, uh, sorry, picks up those two quick fouls, that really throws everything off kilter because... Uh, you know, you rely so heavily on him. And then even even the way that Giannis plays, I, I think he sometimes, when he picks up those quick fouls, gets in his head a little bit and he's unsure, maybe a little bit hesitant of how aggressive he can be, particularly when he starts to pick up those offensive fouls. But as the game wore on, I think you saw the benefits, particularly late in the game. The Bucks were just able to get the right guys good shots. And uh, I think that's the thing with this with this system that, uh, the Bucks are going to benefit from having that year of playing uh, with each other and, and being in close games and going through the playoffs. And while it was only opening night tonight on one game, uh, I think you have to be walking away feeling pretty good about the, the Bucks' fourth quarter uh, execution tonight, particularly with the fact that, that as we you know, obviously uh, mentioned a lot, Giannis was off the floor for half the quarter. I mean, this, this was a, a really impressive win when you factor that in also, Bledsoe's off night, Middleton's off night, uh, being on the road. Uh, it's it's as, as far as first wins or season openers go, this one, when you walk away, you see there's still so much more improvement for this Bucks team and they still beat a team who expects to be a contender in the West. It's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and I mean, again, like I think a team like the Bucks, when we talk about the infrastructure, we talk about the just the system that they have and how plug and play they they can be, and how guys just know what they're supposed to do, and just have a lot of you know for it's kind of corny to say, but they have a bunch of professionals uh, and guys who who know how this team is supposed to play and know what it's about, and it's, and it's it just feels easy, right? Like it doesn't feel like the Bucks are trying to work out like how they're going to do stuff, right? I mean, this is they they know how to play offensively, defensively there may be some obvious limitations and some weaknesses that they have um, that again, we'll find out in May and June uh, whether those are fatal flaws or not. But uh, certainly in a game like this, I think you just sort of see the patience, the confidence, um, the fact that they don't fold, right. Even if they're down by many points to a very good team, um, they kind of know how to play their game. And uh, especially with the shooting and the fact that you take tons of threes, you know, we, we saw the, the Rockets, the three ball started working against them in the fourth quarter. It started working for the Bucks in that second half. And, uh, you know, they, they executed down the stretch, even without the MVP. I think that was probably the coolest thing we saw. Hopefully we don't have to see that uh, at any other point this season, right? That you're in a close game and you have to finish it without Giannis. Um, but really fun to see Brooke step up, play kind of an old school Brooke Lopez game, punish the, the Rockets for playing small. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, some of the other guys, you know, maybe role, more role players guys, whether it was Wes, uh, George Hill, Urson making some some big plays, and even Chris having a really tough game, but but thankfully making a, a big shot uh, in that fourth quarter late after Giannis got hurt or got uh, got fouled out. So um, I'd say 
a great win, you know, I mean, you go into Houston and win, especially on a night where a lot of things go against you. I mean, that's, that's a great win. I think it just reinforces, you know, all the kind of habits the Bucks have built over the past year. And, and it's weird playing a first game of the season and, and playing, you know, such a weird style defensively because of Harden. Right. I think if it's a year ago, you don't play that way because you're just trying to set up your system. You're not doing weird, you know, adjustments in game one of the Mike Budenholzer era. We saw them, you know, the first loss last year, right against Boston, everybody said, Oh, they didn't make adjustments. They just let Horford take threes and, you know, they're going to get killed by that uh, at some point down the road. And, um, you know, it was about building the foundation of that defense. That was the best defense in the league last year. And uh, tonight, we saw, I mean, they know what they, they know how to do this. So yeah, they can play a different style on opening night than, than maybe they, they normally want to play. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you just, you can't say enough about just sticking with it and, and grinding out a, a win that wasn't always, uh, wasn't always pretty. Um, and I mean, uh, do, I feel like we, I, you know, I, I always joke about, um, I always joke with, uh, we always joke with, with Eric, you know, how we just sort of would take Giannis for granted so much of the time. And I feel like tonight, you know, we're going to spend the vast majority of this time not talking about the MVP who just dropped, you know, 30, 13 and 11 on opening night. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, again, just, I think the way he, even after that slow start, he missed free throws, air balls, his first three point shot, you know, uh, if, if this is a 20 year old Giannis, you kind of wonder, you know, does he, does he kind of lose his confidence and shy away from the game? But, but he didn't do that. And he kind of kept going at it and, played in a really controlled, aggressive manner um, that uh, obviously, I mean, I was looking at a shot chart. He I mean, he was three out of three on two point jump shots tonight. Um, he was able to connect on those two out of five on threes. So, you know, again, um, I'm not going to use this as a referendum to say that suddenly he has a jump shot or anything like that. Um, but of course it's, it's positive to see him, him making jump shots, especially after last year when he struggled so much with his three-point shot early in the season. So you'd love to see him get off to a good start this year to kind of set the tone so he's not kind of having to play catch-up all year with his percentage, you know, and, and feel like he, he has to kind of build that confidence up from a, from a really low place. So, um, you know, just the offense running through him, his playmaking, I mean, again, he – aside from those fouls, I mean, he was just in control, especially offensively in those middle quarters. Uh, he knew what he wanted to do. And um, it's just such a fun thing to watch. I was, yeah, I was just, I was writing some, some takeaways from the game before we started recording. And really the, the, I think the comment I made was that literally the only person or thing they could stop uh, Giannis tonight was the officials because mm. it, he just, I mean, we've seen him before. I've, I, I put some numbers up before the game in his season openers. He really gets himself ready for that season opener. He's had some monster yeah. games, but we've seen him in the past just dunk all over teams. I know that, that, that game against Boston in Boston a couple of years ago, it was 30, I think he had 37 or something, and it was just all dunked. He was just dunking on Aaron Baines like every three seconds. And now tonight, you look, and as, as I sort of mentioned earlier, you touched on the mid-range jump shots. He was shooting threes. He was, uh, you know couple little hooks, little jump hooks he threw up there. He was dunking as well. I mean, it, there was really – he scored in every way possible. And I think that that was the impressive thing when we – and, uh, you know, when we do sort of unintentionally take Giannis for, for granted or, or talk about a, a win like this and don't spend as much time as what we probably should on Giannis, uh, I do think that tonight the thing you take away is, again, that Giannis comes into the season opener and while it's only one game, there's real growth there again. He looks like an even more dominant 
offensive player. And we, we saw that in the preseason. But, yeah, even with someone like Giannis, I think you like to get to the regular season and, you know, when teams are really you know, throwing everything at you and, and the starters are playing starters minutes and all that sort of thing. And, and uh, I think tonight, uh, again, we just saw that Giannis, as, as we sort of touched on in the over and under episodes, there's no reason to believe that he's not going to, again, take another step uh, this season. Yeah, I mean, Giannis, uh, he, he does have these fast starts every year. Uh, and so it didn't look like that in the first quarter. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, you know, he he had a really slow start in, in, in Houston last year in the first first half as well. And then just kind of kept grinding, kept grinding. I think that was a game he had 28 points and, and 20 rebounds without a dunk. And um, I think it was late in the third before he had his first dunk tonight. He had to be really patient with it. Uh, I think P.J. Tucker, you know, He's, he's, I mean, to do what he does defensively at his size is, is just so impressive. And, um, you know, I think as the game wore on, neither PJ nor anybody else one-on-one just could figure out how to, you know, just deal with Giannis's length and ball handling and just finishing and everything. Um, but, uh, you know, it wasn't easy. I mean, this was not, this was not Giannis, um, you know, getting 12 dunks on a, you know, a hapless lottery team or something like that. He, he really had to work for, for those 30 points. And, um, you know, I think it just, again, speaks to just how unstoppable he has become. And, uh, you know, in that second game against Houston last year, he was not particularly good uh, against the Rockets in, in Milwaukee. So Rockets have presented them some challenges. And tonight, I think just, you know, again, um, you, you always bet on Giannis, right? <laughs> like year after year, you always bet on Giannis to improve. And um, it'll be interesting to see just how how big of a role he has as a playmaker, I think, this year. Um, and and again, especially with Brogdon gone, not that Brogdon was like, you know, the the key playmaker for the Bucks, but you take him off the court. I mean, that, that matters, right? Uh, and so I'm, I'm just curious how much, uh, what that means for Giannis and whether, whether we see him take on that, that even bigger playmaking role than, uh, than he did last year, you know, is, is he a seven assist guy this year or something like that? I don't know. Nothing would surprise me. You know, he's going to attract so much attention and you've got all these shooters who are, are looking to, to pull the trigger whenever he's on the court. So, um, so it should be, should be fun to watch. And, um, you know, we, we at least got a, a at least a sneak peek of, uh, of Kyle Korver hitting a three, uh, with Giannis, uh, kind of creating space for him. We saw obviously Matthews, um, out there for the first time. So, uh, I think those guys are, are probably going to have a very good time playing with Giannis this year. Yeah. I would say that if the pace of the games continue, <laughs> as they, as it did tonight uh, in Houston, he might, by virtue of that, get an extra couple of assists as it, as it is. But I think we've probably gone through most of the things. I do want to ask, you, you spoke about the, the coach's challenge earlier in the podcast, and there was a successful challenge from the Bucks as well. Uh, I believe it was Pat Connaughton on the, on the block. I think it was a yeah, on Air Gordon. Yeah. Right. So they and so they brought that back. So two challenges, two successful challenges. Watching at home, I don't know what it's like at the game. I guess in the end, it's essentially just a timeout. But both coaches went with the challenge early, and then, you know, interestingly enough, even if you win the challenge, you're done for the, <laughs> done for the night. And Clearly, it was an effective one for Mike D'Antoni. You, you, you know, you consider the consequences of Giannis, as you mentioned earlier, either going to the foul line or picking up his second foul and leaving the game. Clearly, that's the type of foul call that you're going to want to challenge if you're a coach. And I, I'm, I'm sort of curious to see how much strategy comes into this. 
and and whether that becomes a, a factor moving forward. But um, just from one night, do you have an early take on the on the coaches' challenge? Yeah, I mean, um, it is interesting. I mean, that they, they were showing on the scoreboard a lot the like reminders of like what they could be used for, mm-hmm. um, and I think it is an interesting question. I, I, I saw. Um, uh, Paul Pressy 25 of, uh, of the real GM forum post uh, a thought that, you know, opposing coaches may try to use that tactically early in games against Giannis. Like if there's a, a block charge type situation that Giannis gets, you know, a free throws out of it and it could have been a charge. Like, are they going to try to use the challenges to try to maybe steal an extra foul on Giannis early in games? Yeah. Um, I think certainly in this game, you know, there were some, some calls in the fourth quarter where you thought, Oh, you know, especially that Giannis foul um, would have been nice to have a challenge for, for that last Giannis foul out call. Right. Um, but uh, so it'll, it'll be interesting. I mean, you know, as you said, uh, with the way the game was trending, I mean, uh, Mike Budenholzer was kind of trying to, you know, stop the bleeding uh, in that first quarter. And Eric Gordon had a foul uh, shooting foul on a three that would have been three free throws and said Budenholzer challenges it. Uh, gets it reversed and the Bucks then win the ensuing jump ball. And, you know, again, that, that was a pretty important play, I think, as you're trying to, you know, not go down 20 points in the first quarter uh, to get that kind of reversed was, was a big deal. Even if obviously in the fourth quarter, <laughs> you sat there thinking, man, it would have been nice to, to maybe get, uh, get Giannis, uh, Giannis's foul out reversed as well. So I, certainly there's an argument to be made for kind of trying to save it maybe for, for a little later in the game. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I can't remember who, who said it, but somebody was pointing out how, you know, the challenge, like coaches were kind of complaining that, you know, here's one more thing that coaches can be second guessed about, right. Coaches probably not that actually not that big a fan of, uh, of the challenge, because even if it does give them another kind of thing that they can use to, uh, maybe right or wrong, it's also just one more, uh, one more thing they can be second guessed about, like, you know, like we're doing now, but had used his, and I think a pretty important spot and we're still kind of sitting here saying like oh well you know even though they won the game should they have saved it to to save Giannis in the fourth quarter right so um so yeah I don't, I don't know exactly what to expect of that but uh I I imagine I'll say this I think it probably makes sense that it would be um you know used specifically on on these foul or these foul reviews for either trying to get an opponent um, into uh, like a charge call that maybe gets them an extra foul or obviously trying to save your own player from, uh, from uh, you know, getting into foul trouble because I guess you can't – so my understanding is, keep me honest here because I don't know the rule that well, but I believe you can only challenge calls on your – a foul call on your own player. Um, so I don't think you can – I don't yeah. believe you can um, challenge like a non-foul call, I think um like on on your team offensively but uh i think it's going to be probably a learning experience for everybody yeah i think that's that's sort of my understanding as well i think there's also some weird uh situations where i saw some conversation on twitter yesterday i think it was matt moore that brought it up and then some people were discussing it that you can review continuation i think that's what the the discussion was uh can you challenge that if the foul is on your player, obviously, and, and they've called continuation, can you challenge not only the foul, but the fact that it shouldn't have been continuation, which again, you know, particularly late in games is, is going to be a really interesting thing to, to monitor. But yeah, I don't know. I just thought, I think tonight was the first time we really saw 
situationally the the benefits of a challenge not only for halting momentum as you, as you spoke about but I mean, seriously, seriously changing the course of a game by by getting a star player into foul trouble. So, it it was uh, it was interesting. But where were we at? You got any any final thoughts? Anything else you wanted to throw on the table from tonight? No, I'm just. Uh, I mean, I think if you're a Bucks fan, um, like I said, it wasn't necessarily a fun, you know, two and a half hours of 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 basketball viewing, given how much of it was spent with the Bucks kind of fighting uphill. Uh, but, you know, I mean, this team is really, really good. So you, you kind of never think that they're really out of it. And uh, I think just – I think the unique thing is is them being able to to make those plays uh, in that late in that fourth quarter without Giannis. I mean, again, we're probably not going to hopefully see that have to happen very much. But um, a, an interesting first test for this team – and obviously Giannis answered the bell, uh, you know, in it, until he fouled out, and then to see uh, the Bucks, uh, you know, support support team uh, kind of rally uh, to to close it out. I think it was just a really quality win. And and again, um, you know, hopefully this team just just keeps grinding out these wins and just keeps doing what they do. And uh, whether people find that sexy enough to uh, pick them to win the East or win a championship whatever <laughs> like that's fine as long as they keep winning i think uh you know you got to feel pretty good about it yeah it was interesting at the during the the halftime show on tnt uh kenny smith was sort of you know he, he picked the rockets to win the title so he was he was doing his victory lap at, at halftime when the when the rockets are up by 16 but yeah i mean i totally agree if you're a bucks fan you walk away from this a really really good win on the road uh, against uh, a you know really strong team, and you can still, as we have, really sit here and, and not that we've been too critical, but you can really pick the performance apart in from many angles and, and see where the Bucks can get a lot better. So, yeah, just a, a really good start for the Bucks. They they still are yet to lose in preseason or or regular season play. But today's episode was brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is. Number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. So, Frank, uh, I guess uh, we, have, we have reached the, the Bucks weekend. Or, Well, I mean, I'm already in the weekend in Australia. It's already <laughs> the weekend over here. So, so I, you know, I'm already there. But you're nearly there. The Bucks will be back in action on, let me get my days right here, Saturday at the home opener against Miami. Uh, in another game where I would say they would they would heavily favor their chances with Miami. There's, I mean, I feel like there's always something going on in Miami, but I mean, there seems to be some unknown issues in the ranks with with the Heat at the moment. We don't know if Jimmy Butler's going to play. Dion Waiters, who I think this is a second mention of Dion Waiters on the podcast already. Uh, so uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll we'll try and track that through the season, but. Yeah, I would I would say the Bucks should be feeling pretty good about that matchup. Yeah, Jimmy misses the first game due to personal reasons. I don't think I've seen um I don't think I've seen any explanation for what that no. um what that is related to uh and I don't I don't know um I don't know what that bodes for his availability on on Saturday night. So obviously you hope that, you know, it's nothing serious kind of family-wise or anything like that. Um but uh, again, we don't know exactly who who will be starting uh, for the Heat on on Saturday night. But you know, again, if you're the Bucks, um, 
you you focus on yourself and I think you know Bucks play their brand of basketball you expect to win whether Jimmy Butler's out there or not and and certainly a, a Heat team that's had a fairly sizable makeover you know in previous years we've we've talked about how you know Hassan Whiteside and James Johnson have kind of been able to for long stretches kind of wall off the rim for Giannis make it really hard on him uh and James Johnson apparently you know too fat to play right now uh suspended for or you know facing disciplinary actions not not playing due to being out of shape um and uh, Hassan Whiteside now in uh in Portland so um I believe I believe Myers Leonard started at center for uh the uh heat in in the opener um they still have Kelly Olynyk, who I assume is healthy <laughs> um so uh yeah I mean I I feel like I don't know. I kind of like Giannis's chances against those guys, um, but uh, we'll we'll obviously see. And obviously, kind of a new look Heat team. Hopefully, they are uh, for for from a Bucks perspective. Hopefully, they're still working some stuff out uh, on Saturday night. And uh, the Bucks, you know, I think Heat were a team that kind of people thought. I mean, we kind of thought like, oh man, the the Heat give the Bucks problems. But you know, after that that win, after that crazy back to back that the Bucks yeah. had last year, they had that horrific performance in Miami after uh, a back-to-back I think they won in Boston and then had to go the next night to to Miami and they just completely shit the bed um Bucks pretty much handled them the rest of the year uh and let's just say that he did not look to give them too many problems after that so um we'll see if that continues on Saturday night but obviously home opener um you know hopefully the energy is great and um hopefully uh Again, I'm, I'm not a big believer in momentum. I think, again, Bucks are just a really good team. They, they should always have momentum. Uh, but uh, hopefully, obviously, they, uh, they bring maybe a, a more, let's just say, hopefully they work out some of the kinks we saw tonight. And if they do, obviously, you're going to feel pretty good about their chances. Yeah, certainly happy that we don't have to risk the haven't lost back-to-back game streak uh, in, in, in game two. <laughs> uh, so they avoided that by beating the Rockets 117-111. to 111. As we said, they will play the Heat in the home opener on Saturday night. And we will, I would assume, wrap that up early next week. I think this is the first of many hour-long post-game pods through the season. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's probably how this thing is, is going to go. But we will leave it there for now. So for Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll speak to you guys next week.